siblings and coworkers, parents and supervisors. We all have people in our lives with whom it can be hard to get along. And even a good relationship has its rough spots. Join us as we take a kingdom approach to relationships. Heart Smart, a practical guide to relating like Jesus. Good morning, friends. How is everybody today? Good, good. Oh, I am super, super jazzed about this message. I really am. So we are in this sermon series, right? Heart Smart, a practical guide to living like Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but it's been entirely rocking my world the past few weeks. And, uh, and we get to continue it today. We get to continue understanding and learning together as a community. How do we live out this thing called the kingdom of God? We've discussed a lot of things. I hope that most of you have been enjoying this series as much as I have. But right? Man, we've had some rocking sermons. I mean, we've covered things from trying to understand how the brain works and how that affects how we engage with one another. And we discussed things of like, how do we do healthy communication? You know, when, oh, you know, Greg made the point of, um, what was it titled? She said he heard. (laughs) Were you guys here for that last week? I found that super entertaining. But we communicate one thing, and oftentimes we can, you know, the person can hear another thing. So we're trying to figure that out. Like, how do we properly communicate? How do we do this thing of communicating and learn to live in relationship like God calls us to? And today, we get to continue that conversation. And we're talking about a biggie. We are going to talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness. And my friends, I have to... I have to tell you, this is a huge message. And we are family here, right? And we as a family, we believe in the power of prayer. And I'm just going to tell you, I believe that the enemy does not want this message to get preached. I was up all night. Our sweet pastor Mary was up all night interceding. Like, this is a big message. And so let's come together as a family right now and just pray over it. Pray that God's message would get communicated and that the enemy would not barricade that message. So will you pray with me? Father God, you are the ultimate forgiver. Father God, by the blood that you shed on the cross, you forgave all creation. Father God, you say that there is power in your name. And so by the name of Jesus Christ, we pray your authority, we pray your spirit upon this place that the enemy would have no place here. Father God, would your Holy Spirit widen our hearts to hear your message of truth. Holy Spirit, come draw us into the truth of this message of forgiveness. May we grow to receive your forgiveness and may we humbly walk forward and extend forgiveness to others. Holy Spirit, come be with us today. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, I have titled this sermon a very simple title of Baby Steps. It's pretty self-explanatory, but toward the end of the sermon, we'll unpack it a little bit more together, and you'll see why I've titled it Baby Steps, but that's what we're going to be discussing, the baby steps toward for forgiveness. One thing at a time, one step at a time, right? So often in life, we think that we can go from point A to point Z, but you got to go through all the other letters in order to get to the end. So we're going to talk about the baby steps of that, but before we go into that, I want to discuss a reality that I believe exists in forgiveness. There are two elements to it, or at least two elements. And I think the first and most important element is the receiving. And that's where we're going to begin our message today. We receive forgiveness. That is a gift 
given to us. And God says on the cross, this is for you. My blood is shed for all of you and I want you all to come and I want you all to receive it. It is yours. All you have to do is receive it. The second element is extending that forgiveness. We receive in order to give, right? That message is proclaimed throughout all of scripture. We are blessed to be a blessing. That which we receive, we also give to other people. So two elements, receiving first and foremost, and also extending and giving. There's a found poem um, that I found, <laughs> a found poem that I found. Actually, if I'm honest, I made it. I created it. Um, I, back in the day, I, when I was starting my undergrad career, I came into undergrad as a double major, Bible and theology, and then also I wanted to do creative writing. I ditched creative writing because I was more interested in the Bible. <laughs> um, but in, in the Bible, we have all sorts of um, messages proclaiming the forgiveness of God all throughout Scripture. And so I had this idea last night. I was like, Lord, how can I possibly communicate your entire Bible into one tiny sermon? And God was like, Brianna, you love poems. And I was like, you're right, I do. And so there's this, um, this format of poetry called found poems, which is simply taking a a text or a work that already exists and reshaping the words that are there into a poem form. Make sense? So that's what I did with all these beautiful messages of God's forgiveness. And I bound them all together. And I said, these are the truths of scripture. You know, if, it, if that's what I was preaching today, and if I was just preaching uh, through the, each thing, we would go on for months and months and months and hours and so on and so forth. So I took all the important ones that totally rocked my world and I made them into a poem. And um, as I read this poem, it's going to come up on the screen, but as I read it, you guys, I pray. I pray the, the prayer of Paul as he expressed in Ephesians that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we may know the hope to which we are called. So as we read this poem together... I pray that you guys would just, in, your eyes would be enlightened, that you would hear this message and you would receive this message. So here's the found poem. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless the Lord, who forgives all your iniquity. O oh my soul, bless the Lord. For the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Bless the Lord. Who does not deal with us according to our iniquities. Amen. Oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Who removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. Our scarlet stains of sin are washed white as snow. Bless the Lord who redeems us according to the riches of his grace. Oh, my soul, bless the Lord. For as a father has compassion for his children... So the Lord has compassion for us. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless the Lord who made us alive with him and erases the record that stands against us. Bless the Lord who set aside our sin and nailed it to the cross. O oh my soul, bless the Lord who disarmed the rulers and authorities and triumphed over them. Amen. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Amen. Oh, I mean, these are, these are poems. These are proclamations of the beauty and forgiveness of Christ that I found 
in Ephesians and in Psalms and in Isaiah and throughout all of scripture. And when you put it all together, we can say together as a family of God, bless the Lord, because this is what you've done for us. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You do not deal with me according to my sins. Bless the Lord. This, my friends, if you get anything out of this message, I pray, fervently I pray, that it is this, that your scarlet stains are washed white as snow. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I like feedback. Can I just say that? Make it more of a dialogue, right? Bless the Lord. This is what we're preaching today. We receive this forgiveness of God. And this, my friends, I believe is the good news, is it not? This poem that is actually woven throughout all of scripture, this story of God that says, I am so big, I love you so much, I am washing you clean, and through me, you have a new identity. Through me, you are forgiven. Through me, I no longer count your sins against you because you are washed white as snow. This is the gift that we receive. The fallenness of creation is not the end of the story. Our brokenness is not the end of the story. But God had a different story to tell. God nailed our brokenness to the cross and said, I make you new. No matter what you have done, I make you new. No matter what sins you think are too big or too wild for my forgiveness, I say, "Uh uh-uh. I nailed them to the cross and every single day I am going to remind you that I am the Lord your God and I am the one who forgives you and I think you are clean and I think you are beautiful and I think you have so much value. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. This is God's story. This is God's story of saying this is how I want to relate to you, my people, my children. In this story of forgiveness... This radical, wild example of forgiveness that we see on the cross is our freedom. And we can be free from our guilt when we just come to the cross and say, Lord, I choose you. I choose to trust that what you did on the cross is big enough for me. May we be transformed by that truth, my friends. This forgiveness of Christ. Once we receive this forgiveness and choose... To receive the forgiveness, I think we have to do that daily, right? I don't think it's a one-time thing. I think we have to remind ourselves of it every moment of every day. Like, I'm choosing this forgiveness of Christ to transform my life. So that's one part of it. And, And when we read through scripture, we see, like, this is the huge reality. This is the huge truth. The forgiveness of Christ. And as God's people, we're called to live that out. Because of Christ's forgiveness... We're going to look at Colossians, and in Colossians, Paul says, because of this new identity in Christ, here's how we can live out that forgiveness. Does that make sense? So we have this forgiveness that we receive from Christ, and Paul's going to exhort us to live that out in a way. And so when we look to Colossians, this is what we find. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And let's just pause there. Paul doesn't say, as broken, fallen people... (laughs) Paul doesn't say as uh, clumsy, sinful disciples. Paul immediately reminds us, "Uh uh-uh, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, 
Because of the forgiveness of Christ, this is who you are. So, as God's chosen ones, as the holy and beloved ones of Christ, what are we to do? Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Amen. As God's chosen ones, we need to continue to clothe ourselves with that. We need to continue to clothe ourselves. And then in the clothing of ourselves and God's forgiveness, this is how we are to live. We are a holy temple, my friends. We. It's a communal thing, this forgiveness, right? Yes, we are forgiven as individuals, but so too we are forgiven as a community. So too all of creation is forgiven. And therefore we learn to clothe ourselves as a community. I need you. I need you as my brothers and my sisters to remind me. Brianna, you can clothe yourself today with the forgiveness of Christ. Brianna, you can live out the forgiveness of Christ by walking forward in humility and patience. So let us practice that together, right? Uh, there's an example of one woman's courageous, courageous act. One woman who chose to believe that she was forgiven and she was forgiven so fully that she is also able to forgive others. There's a video that I want to share with you guys, and it's a video of, I'm just going to set it up a little bit. There's, a, there's this woman, her name is Mary, and she had a son, and her son was murdered um, by a man named O'Shea, and O'Shea was sent to prison, and Mary dealt with the loss of her son who was murdered, and over a very long time, it took her. She chose to practice the forgiveness of Christ. And she chose to forgive the man who murdered her son. It's a wild example. It's a big example. It is not necessarily a baby step, but we're going to talk about the baby steps that will get us to something like Mary. So let's together watch this video. Stillwater Prison. I wanted to know if you were in the same mindset of what I remember from court, where I wanted to go over and hurt you, but you were not that 16-year-old. You were a grown man. I shared with you about my son. And he became human to me. You know, when I met you, it was like, okay, this guy is real. And then when it was time to go, you broke down and started shedding tears and the initial thing to do was just try to hold you up as best I can. Just hug you like I would my own mother. 
you know. After you left the room, I began to say, I just hugged the man that murdered my son. And I instantly knew that all that anger and the animosity, all the stuff I had in my heart for 12 years for you, I knew it was over, that I had totally forgiven you. As far as receiving forgiveness from you, sometimes I still don't know how to take it because I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. It's something that I'm learning from you. I won't say that I have learned yet because it's still a process that I'm going through. I treat you as I would treat my son, and our relationship is beyond belief. We live next door to one another. Yeah, so you can see what I'm doing. You know, firsthand. <laughs> we actually bump into each other all the time, leaving in and out of the house. And you know, our conversations, they come from, boy, how come you ain't called over here to check on me in a couple of days? <laughs> you ain't even asked me if I need my garbage to go out. Uh-huh. I find those things funny because it's a relationship with a mother for real. Well, my natural son is no longer here. I didn't see him graduate. You know, you're going to college. I'll have the opportunity to see you graduate. I didn't see him get married. Hopefully one day I'll be able to experience that with you. Just to hear you say those things and to be in my life in the manner in which you are is my motivation. It motivates me to make sure that I stay on the right path. You still believe in me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can do it despite how much pain I cause you, it's amazing. I know it's not an easy thing, you know, to be able to share our story together. So I admire that you can do this. I love you, lady. I love you too, son. the Lord. This is the way of the kingdom, my friends. Amen. This is the forgiveness of Christ. It's a huge example. It's a wild example. I recognize that. But I recognize it also as a possibility because of what was done on the cross. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, no way, dude. No way should that have happened. What that man should have gotten was death. What that man deserved was not forgiveness. What maybe should have happened to him is exactly what he did to this woman's son. Maybe we think it is absolutely offensive that Mary would do that. But we don't live according to the patterns of this world. We do not live according to the patterns of the world because that is what the patterns of this world say. Eye for an eye, right? Tooth for a tooth. You hurt me, I'll hurt you. Our, without Christ, our human tendency is to fight back. Violence begets violence, we have learned, right? But yet we still have not understood that because we practice according to the patterns of this world. And Mary decided, 
uh-uh. I'm going to practice something different. I'm going to live out the kingdom of God. And even if it takes me 12 years to get to the point where I can go visit the man who murdered my son, I'm going to stay committed to it because I believe God has a bigger message because I believe God wants O'Shea to come to know the forgiveness of Christ. And if I get to be a living example of that, then Lord, help me get to that point. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. This is a story that we can share. Without Christ, my friends, forgiveness is not possible. We can't do what Mary did without Christ. Because when left to our own devices, we're prone to wander. When left to our own devices, we're prone to brokenness. When left to our own devices, we do things like fight violence with violence. We do small things too, right? Like think terrible thoughts about another human being. We're talking about forgiveness. And so what if somebody offends you? I think without Christ, our immediate reaction is like, I don't like you. I'll show you something else. And we get this like nasty idea built in our mind about this person, right? One example that (laughs) I'm going to do a moment of confession. And it's a small example. And this is my baby step that I'm learning to grow in so that I can become more like Christ. I'm a a terrible driver. I really am. Something ugly comes out in me. If you're not going (laughs) 90 miles an hour in the left lane, I will ride your butt. And I'll be like, get out of the lane. Why are you going so slow? And if you cut me off, I will zip so I can cut you off. It's this nasty game that I play. And I'm learning to get over it. Because the reality is like, where am I going? And who am I to think that I can say, oh, the traffic laws don't abide to me. I can make up my own. Lord, have mercy on me. But this is a small step, right, that I'm learning. I don't... I'm not um, living according to the patterns of this world, or I'm trying not to. So the the, um, methods that we go to to get to the point of Mary are small. Because without Christ, I will continue to be this crazy driver. I know that's a crazy example, but it's something small just to illustrate that we don't have these huge ideas of how we should be forgiven or how we should extend forgiveness, but they often start small. And they grow into bigger things. And we need to catch those small things so that we can grow more and more. To forgive as Christ forgave. So let's talk more about unforgiveness, right? Because we have learned that without Christ, we cannot forgive. Because it's easy to say yes and amen to the theoretical truth and the theoretical practice of forgiving others. Like, why is that so easy? Yes, God forgave us and I should forgive others. Amen. But when it comes to actually living it out, it's a lot harder, right? Yeah. Think about that. Our tendency is to harbor unforgiveness and hold on to it as though our life depended on it. Why is it so hard? Why is there this gap between saying yes and amen to the theoretical practice, but when we're actually called to live it out, it's like, ooh, that's tough. Anne Lamott is one of my favorite authors. She's, uh, she's really raw in her writing, and I like that. There's no pretenses with Anne Lamott. And in one of her books, Traveling Mercies, which is a book I highly recommend, by the way, she says this of unforgiveness. She says, not forgiving... It's like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. We think we're doing ourselves and the other person a favor by not extending forgiveness. But the reality is, my friends, we do damage to our own self when we harbor unforgiveness. And we do not expand the kingdom of God. 
our unforgiveness, when we harbor it, it grows and it destroys us and it buries its roots deep, so deep that we are then enabled to receive the forgiveness of Christ. When we harbor things that are not of the kingdom, when we choose time and again to practice ways that are not in accordance with God's kingdom, we are therefore resisting the ways of the kingdom. We are therefore resisting our capacity to receive forgiveness. And this is demonstrated in Mark. In Mark, he talks about our forgiving others is directly related to our receiving God's forgiveness. Let's see what Mark has to say. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If anyone has anything, or if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Whoa. What is Mark saying here? I'm not going to receive God's forgiveness unless I forgive another person. Is that what Mark's saying? I don't think so, actually. I think what Mark is saying in this passage is, if you do not forgive somebody, if you do not choose to receive the forgiveness of Christ for yourself, you are then resisting the forgiveness of Christ. Harboring unforgiveness affects our ability to receive the forgiveness of Christ. We think we're doing ourselves a favor when we live according to the patterns of the world and say, I'm not going to forgive this person or I can't forgive myself. But the reality of my friends is we are closing our hearts to the transforming, powerful love of Jesus Christ as demonstrated on the cross. So Mark is saying, if you're praying and if you realize that you have something against another person, go to them and forgive them. And in so doing, you too will receive the transforming, powerful love of Christ's forgiveness. It's, it's all connected, right? The way I forgive others and the way I forgive myself will allow me to receive more fully the forgiveness of Christ. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless the Lord. Okay, so here's where we are going to start to move into the practical nature of learning to receive and to, for, and to extend forgiveness. And before I go in that direction, before I start talking about the baby steps, I want to make a few things super clear. I want to first talk about what forgiveness is not. Okay, because I think we have a lot of wild ideas of what forgiveness might be. A lot of damaging ideas. So forgiveness, first and foremost, is not condoning. Forgiveness is not condoning. And so when we extend forgiveness to others or even to ourselves, we are not saying that what the other person did is somehow no big deal. I forgive you, no biggie, I wasn't hurt that bad. So not true, my friends. Sometimes, again, without Christ, we can do terrible things. We can do hurtful things. We do have the capacity to really hurt one another. We do have the capacity to hurt ourselves. So forgiveness is not condoning. It's very different than that. Second, forgiveness is not forgetting. There's that saying, forgive and forget. And quite frankly, I don't even know a single person who can do that. (laughs) You do not forgive and then forget. We learn, right, from our actions. You can forgive, but you can't always forget. And nor necessarily should you. So that's the second point I want to highlight. The third point Forgiveness is not reconciliation. The story we saw of Mary and O'Shea, that actually was both. Mary chose to forgive 
And through that forgiveness, they also chose to walk the path of reconciliation. But forgiveness in and of itself is not reconciliation. This is why you can actually forgive somebody who has passed away. Maybe you're harboring unforgiveness to somebody who hurt you so significantly and in that time frame they have passed away and you're still harboring that, you can still forgive them. Forgiveness is, however, simply releasing somebody of their actions. It's releasing them. Mary chose to release O'Shea for what he did. And in that, Mary no longer brings it up. She no longer brings it up to O'Shea like, hey, remember that time 15 years ago when you took my son's life? No. We do not recount our sins. Just as the Lord does not recount our sins against us, so we do not recount our sins to another person. We release it. And we say, you're new. I choose to forgive you. We say, I am new creation. I choose to forgive myself. So forgiveness, my friends, is a simply releasing of the actions. And this releasing is a step-by-step process. Hence, baby steps. There is a, uh, a quote by another favorite author of mine, N.T. Wright. And he has this book, it's called After We Believe, and it's this short but super dense read that talks about what are we here for? After we say yes to Christ, what is the point of life? And he uses the illustration, or he articulates the reality that we are here to be made more into the image of God. And that being made into the image of God is a process of steps. It does not come naturally. Forgiveness does not come naturally. It is something that can only be brought through through Christ-like character. And so, of this idea of we step by step are made more into the image of God, N.T. Wright says this. So the putting on, the putting on the character of Christ, right? We we read in Colossians, clothe yourselves. The putting on is a matter of consciously deciding again and again to do certain things in certain ways, to create patterns of memory and imagination deep within the psyche Gradually, bit by bit, the putting on of these qualities. Qualities that seem for the moment so artificial, so unnatural, so unlike me, will in fact, the tran- will in fact transform the character at its deepest level. Amen. Amen. Bit by bit. We have to choose consciously to clothe ourselves in the character of Christ in the same way that we consciously choose to clothe ourselves with real clothes. When I go to my closet in the morning and when I pull out a shirt, I want to say, Lord, this is something I'm going to clothe myself with, but may it be humility. May this be patience. May I deliberately choose when somebody offends me to say, hold up, I'm going to clothe myself with kindness first. It's a conscious, deliberate bit by bit, step by step effort. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? Being made into the image of God is a process. There's another video clip I want to show you, a very profound, I believe, video clip of articulating the steps, the methodology of taking baby steps. So let's take a look at that. Dr. Marvin, you can help me. For the first time in my life, I feel like there's hope. I feel like I can be somebody. Bob, there's an old saying. 
that the best psychiatrist in the world is the one right inside of you. Yeah. I can help you. Yes. Thank you. Bob, there is a groundbreaking new book that has just come out. Ah. Now, not everything in this book, of course, applies to you, but I'm sure that you can see, when you see the title, exactly how it could help. Baby steps? It means setting small, reasonable goals for yourself, one day at a time. One tiny step at a time. Baby steps. For instance, um, when you leave this office, don't think about everything you have to do in order to get out of the building. Just think of what you must do to get out of this room. And when you get to the hall, deal with that hall and so forth. You see? Baby steps. Baby steps. Oh, boy. Baby steps. <laughs> Baby steps. Baby steps through the office. Baby steps out the door. It worked. <laughs> I love Bill Murray. I love that movie. Baby steps, my friends. This is actually the reality um, of living into the character of Christ and being made more and more into the image of Christ. It's baby steps. It really is. One moment at a time, I'm choosing to clothe myself in humility. One moment at a time, I'm choosing to say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, I believe you have forgiven me. One step at a time, I'm moving closer and closer to doing a wild act of forgiveness like Mary. Mary, in the video, if you remember, she said it took her 12 years. She herself took baby steps. We grow into the Christ-like character. One step at a time. So what are these steps? Let's look at the practical approaches. I have three different steps for us of learning to forgive and practicing forgiveness. And the first step is this. We need to recognize that forgiveness is a Christ-like character. We cannot forgive without Christ. Amen? We cannot forgive without Christ. And there is a scripture that articulates this clearly that we are very fond of here at Woodland Hills. And the scripture comes from 2 Corinthians and it reads as this. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Amen. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Our first step toward receiving and extending forgiveness is to recognize and embrace and realize this truth. I cannot do it without Christ. We cannot do it without Christ. When left to our own devices, we live according to the patterns of this world. But with Christ, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. And we can say to that person, I forgive you. I release you. We cannot do it without Christ. And I think on this point, you guys, I want to highlight one other very important reality. That our enemies are not of flesh and blood. Amen? Our enemies are according to the powers and principalities of this cosmic 
world. We have an enemy. We have a very real enemy out there who does not want us to be made into the image of God, who does not want us to practice Christ-like character, who does not want us to learn and to walk into the forgiveness of Christ. That is our real enemy. And let us keep that as our focus. Because when we keep that as our focus, I think we, are widen, we widen the capacity to forgive others and to forgive ourselves. Because that person who offended you, that person who did an like a crazy wrong against you, that is not your enemy. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. I want us to keep that. Step two. Start small. We don't get to get to the merry point right away. We have to choose consciously and deliberately to take one step at a time. So start with small things, right? Maybe it's, in my own case, I'm not going to get crazy angry when somebody cuts me off. I know it might sound like a really weird illustration, but it's kind of a big reality in my world. I'm going to instead say, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. I will not honk my horn at you and I will not give you the angry fist. I won't do it. I'm going to start small because I believe that when I start small, I get to grow more and more into the Christ-like character. Start small. Maybe don't ruminate on things that you wish you could do to the other person. Don't do that. Instead, Bring about blessings. Think about blessings. Like, Lord, oh, according to my human nature, when I'm without you, what I want this person to experience are really bad things. But Lord, I'm choosing to clothe myself into your character. And so I'm going to start small by simply saying, you bless that person, because I can't. Start small. Okay? Does that make sense? Beautiful. And the last step that I want to propose is this. Engage your imagination. Engage your imagination. We are transformed from one degree of glory to another when we come into the dwelling place of Christ and when we meditate on the beautiful love of Christ. And so I think together as a community, we're going to practice this. I want to save a little bit of space for us to practice and to live into this Christ-like character by engaging our imagination. And you can do that in a multiple different ways. I personally, I like to take a story of Scripture and spend time imagining it. One of my favorite stories is the story of the prodigal son, which I believe is actually a story of the wild and crazy love of Jesus Christ, of our father. And I let my imagination go crazy. I imagine myself as the younger son. And I imagine myself seeing the father running out to me. Or I imagine myself as the elder son. And the father coming to me and saying, everything I have is yours. Engage your imagination. Allow the Lord to speak truth over you. Allow the Lord to show you what it could look like to forgive another person. And so we're just going to take maybe a minute and as in we, when we go into that minute, let us look a little introspectively and ask the Spirit, Lord, is there someone in my life that I'm not forgiving? Let the Lord bring that up. Lord, are there areas of my life that I'm choosing not to receive your forgiveness? Let the Spirit bring that up. So just take a moment to reflect. Thank you.
spirit of meditation continues. We're going to continue with worship. I encourage you all to keep this in mind. Let the spirit speak to you about forgiveness. At this time also, we are going to take an offering. And I just want to pray together a blessing over the offering. We give that which Christ gives to us. Father God, thank you for the truth of your forgiveness. Help us to understand it more. Thank you for the, the joy of giving to your kingdom. All we have is yours, God. And with this offering, we give it back to you.